Uh, turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 5. We'll be reading verses 33 through verse 37. Notice our Lord has said many times, you've heard that it hath been said, and you've heard that it hath been said. And he says it here again in verse 33, again. You've heard that it hath been said by them of old time, thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, neither by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst make one hair white or black. Let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. Thank you, Kurt. For whatsoever is more of these cometh from evil. Before we get into the lesson, hold your finger right there, and I want you to turn back to Exodus chapter 20. What our Lord did, he, he said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. And men's problem was they, they were believing what they were told, what God's word said. So our Lord used three of the Ten Commandments. He spoke or he expounded the Sixth Commandment where he dealt with murder. The law condemns man being angry and murder is committed in the heart. Then in the sixth commandment, and then he dealt with adultery. He said man doesn't have to just commit the very act, but he commits it in his heart. So turn to Exodus chapter 20. Here we have recorded the commandments of the ten that God gave to Moses. And God spake all these words, saying, Exodus 20, verse 1, I am the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt, and out of the house of bondage. The first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Secondly, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, and to the third and fourth generation of them that help hate me, and showing mercy. And then amazing in this law, these commandments, and these are not suggestions, these are commandments, but he shows mercy unto thousands, and them that love me. And keep my commandments. Well, who keeps his commandments? There's only one, and that's Christ. And it's in Christ that we have, we have kept the commandments. Here's the third commandment. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. This is what we'll deal with today in Matthew. 
For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Then verse 8, we have the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. For in it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy sons, nor thy daughters, thy maidservants, nor thy maidservants, nor thy cattle, nor the strangers that is within thy gate. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that all that in them is, and he rested the Sabbath day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he hallowed it. And you know that Christ is our Sabbath. He is our rest. Those first four commandments deal with our relationship with God. Have no other God before me. Make no graven images. Don't take the name of God in vain. And remember the Sabbath day. And the fifth one, verse 12. The fifth to the tenth, these last six deal with our relationship with men. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservants, nor his maidservants, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that it is his neighbor. First commandment, you should have no other gods before me. And you know what the last one is? You know what covetousness is? The Bible says it's idolatry. It's when you put some other God, whatever it is, before him. And our Lord, he fulfilled all these. But these, but men were just teaching the letter of the law and not the spirit of the law. They thought, well, I've not went out and committed the very act of adultery, but our Lord said if a man or woman looks on someone of the opposite sex with lust in their heart, and that's where it is, they have then and there committed adultery. But see, he said, this is what you've heard was said. And that's all they were doing. They were strict with the law, strict with the letter of the law. Why do men do that? They try to keep people under control. You know what grace does? It sets a man free. We are at liberty, but the grace has set us free. We're not under the law in any way, shape, or form. We're under grace. You know, back in North Carolina years ago, everybody got them a sign made, put it up in their front yard. We support the Ten Commandments. And they ain't a one of them that put the sign up or kept any one of them. Our Lord said, if you broke one, you've broken them all. But they think they can keep them. And if you can force these things upon people, then you can make them better people. And our Lord says, accept your righteousness, exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll never enter into the kingdom of God. We break the commandments in thought. You ever had heart? We know well, y'all have had all hard thoughts towards somebody, somebody said something about you and, or, or to you and it hurt your feelings and, 
and you know you know how we are. We want everybody to know we've been hurt, so we don't talk to them. But it's in our, in our mind. We may not even say it, but in our mind we go, oh, "Don't do In our thoughts, in our imaginations, and in our outward conduct, our outward conduct is changed because He's given us grace in our heart. And here he expounds that third commandment. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Many thought they kept this part of God's law so long as they did not swear falsely and performed whatever they vowed or whatever they swore to. Well, I've kept that command. I've not taken God's name in vain. But this requires much more than not using God's name in an oath. It forbids all, now listen to this, all vain, light thoughts and words about God and his work. So now, how many of them take his name in vain? They have light thoughts about the work of God. Did he finish the work or didn't he? He said, I finished the work. But when men say he didn't, that's taking his name in vain. They have light thoughts about God, his work. And it compels them simply and honestly. What he's saying is men don't have to take an oath before people who know them. It's like I may mention later on, but a man's word is his bond. You know, I can remember, I remember when, even if people didn't attend church, even if they, they, they never, never went to church, they'd never been taught, they, but they'd been taught some things. They were taught that a man's word was his bond. If that man ever lied to you, you couldn't trust him. And he had nothing. I mean, when word gets around, let me tell you this, God can be trusted. He cannot lie. Let me read to you what Mr. Fortner said. Now, our Lord is not here forbidding us to take a lawful oath. Say, for instance, we were to, they were to call us as a witness in the courtroom. And you know what they do? They put you in the witness stand. And if somebody comes up in front of you and they have a Bible in their hand, they say you lay your left hand on the Bible and you raise your right hand and you swear after me. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God. And if you're caught lying, they call, they call that perjury. He said, but I have saw people. Now, now don't take this wrong. You may know some, but I saw this man in religion one time. Oh, he was very prominent. He, he made a point. He wanted everybody to know if he went to court, I'm not swearing on no Bible. If men didn't, wasn't so prone to lying, they wouldn't have to make them swear. And, you know, the, they hold their hand on the Bible and don't believe a word of it. They Men are sworn, men are sworn in, Correct. Whether it's a, uh, a president or any, they are sworn in the office and they have what? An oath to uphold. 
They swear, I will uphold this Constitution or whatever it may be. So he's not saying that that's wrong to take a legal oath. He ought to think about what he's saying when he takes that oath. You know, whatever the oath is, it's serious. You know what they do for people when they catch perjury, lying in court? They'll throw you in jail. They don't take it lightly because you know what? You've broken the law. The law has to be honored. Like I said, if men were not such liars, they would never have to swear. They would never have to swear to say, well, let's say I promised Danny I'll do something. Now, Danny, I promise you. And then he knows in the back of his mind, and I don't know if he's going to do that or not. <laughs> so men swear. And you've heard men say they swear on a lot of things. I've heard people say, you know, on TV, I swear on my mother's grave. And, you know, that's, that's awful. That's awful. But that's what they say. Because it's supposed to confirm what they say. It's supposed to add credence to what they say. By them swearing, I guess it makes what they say the truth. The truth. Our Lord is forbidding the rash use of God's name in common speech. And this reveals a lack of reverence for and contempt. God. And I'm not going to go into no details, but I've had, um, you know, we have things that we say, and sometimes we don't even think about what we're saying. And we didn't really, you know what I'm saying? We didn't mean anything by it. I'll use one. Oh, my goodness. You know, I've heard people tell me that that was blessed, that that was taking his name in vain, and I never thought anything about it. But you see what I'm saying? But then on the other hand, why were they so why were they so strict? You know what I'm saying? Now if I'm wrong, I want to be reproved. I do. I want it to be pointed out, and I'll take it by God's grace graciously. But why would they do that? Believers reverence God. They reverence him as God. And they walk before him and our fellow mortars upon the Upon this earth in honesty. Honesty. That your communication, that's not just your what you say, that is your manner of life. Let it be yes, yes, and no, no. You don't have to question. He said yes, but he means no. Or he said no and he means yes. Oh no. He said, let your conversation. If we believe God, we have no reason to be dishonest before men. And if I'm honest before honest before God, we'll be honest before men. Our Lord, can you imagine that he's speaking to his disciples and the most dishonest people are self-righteous religious scribes and Pharisees. They are a bunch of liars. They are of their father, the devil, and he's the father of lies. What is false doctrine? It's lies. What is taking God's name in vain? It's lying on God, just, just that simply. You, you're saying that God would do this or not do that, and God's not like that. To 
taking God's name in vain was so prevalent. Why did he, out of the ten, why did he pick these three commandments? Murder, adultery, and taking God's name in vain. First three points he picked in his message. Mr. John Gill stated, a righteous man, Jay, or yes, is yes. And his no is no. His word is sufficient. You know who it's all about? You remember Peter? He, uh, he told our Lord, and he meant it. He said, Lord, I'll never deny you. And then he follows our Lord afar off, and a, and a young maid comes up to him, and she said, you're one of his disciples, ain't you? Oh, no. You know what that was? It was a lie. A bald-faced lie. He knew it was a lie. Why did he lie? He's trying to save his hide. Then here meets, meets another woman. This is not a soldier with a drawn sword. She said, I, I believe I saw you. With, I believe I saw you in the garden. With, oh, no. And this time he said he'd come out with an oath. He could have said, H, no, I wasn't there. It ain't me. Why would, why would, he, why would he say that? He's trying to get them to believe he's telling them the truth. Then in a few minutes, here comes someone else and said, your speech gives you away. You're one of them Galileans. And it said he began to cuss and to swear and to say, I don't know him. You think about that. And he's a believer. He's terrified. But see, he thinks if he says this, that it's going to, they will believe what he says. And as soon as he, the cock crew, our Lord turned and looked at him and broke his heart. Well, it'd be hard when it'd be broken like that. We left, we were left alone to ourselves. Now listen, we'd do the very same thing. God help us to not take his name in vain. Or we bring reproach on his vein. I mean on his name. Or be ashamed of him. Be ashamed of him. I want to show you something. Turn to Matthew chapter 23. Here our Lord is dealing with this. It's almost the same text or scripture that he's using here in Matthew 5. But our Lord, he speaks, he speaks with authority, and he speaks to those who are self-righteous hypocrites. Now, I can tell you, he's a God of love. There's no question about it. But when it comes to hypocrites, he had no patience with them. No patience, because that's what they were doing. They were... They, he said, you say, Lord, Lord, you, you honor me with your mouth, but your heart's far from me. Even when they stand before him in judgment, they're going to say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? They're still taking his name in vain. In Matthew 23, verse 16, he says, Woe unto you, you blind guides! 
which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whoso shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing to swear by the altar. But whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon the altar, if he does that, then he's guilty. You fools and blind, for whether is greater the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift. Whosoever therefore shall swear by the altar, swelleth, sweareth by it in all things thereon. What I want you to see, you can't just make a distinction between one or the other. And whosoever shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it and him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God and by him that sitteth thereon. He publicly and openly condemned these men before everybody. You know who was standing before them? The perfect law of God. And he's rebuking them because he said, these are the ones that have said. This is what the, you can, you can swear by the altar, but you can't swear by the gift upon the altar. The only reason the gift is acceptable because it's offered upon the altar that God has ordained. Our Lord, it was not his intention to be polite or acceptable. His intention was to be heard, and they heard him. Why did our Lord use such hard language? Because the glory of God, the truth of God, and the souls of men was at stake. The scribes, and now listen, the scribes and the Pharisees, they thought that some swearing was all right. And that some... Some, sometimes uh, that it was okay. They even said this, that it was okay. It's okay to take God's name in vain, is it? But that's what they taught. So long as someone did not swear by the gold of the temple's treasures and the gift upon the altars, you know why they were interested in those things? Because they lined their pockets with them. That's why they did when men and denominations forsake the teachings of the word of God, it is untelling how far they will go from the word of God. How did we wind up in the mess we are in? People forsook the word of God. Receive him that speaks from heaven. And here he is speaking unto them. Now, what did he do? He exposed them. This is the, their whole thing was wrapped up in keeping the letter of the law. And we're going to keep people under control. That's what they used the law for. Our Lord plainly declared that we are not to swear at all. The scribes and the Pharisees, they thought that it was okay 
that sometimes it was okay to take his name in vain. And you know what they were saying? Some sins were more, some sins are more serious than others. It's going to be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for some others. Whenever self-righteous men, now listen, start defining and categorizing sin, they make the word of God of none effect and imply that certain sins, lesser sins, are okay. Oh, really? Sin is sin. Now, I know that he said it's going to be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment. And I know every man's going to receive the punishment that they deserve. It will be an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. The punishment will fit the crime. But they're saying that it's okay. It's all right. It's just a, li- it's just a little lie. A lie is a lie. Either it's a lie or it's the truth. No middle ground. But why would they do that? So men can live with their conscience. That's why it says in Romans 1, they changed or exchanged the word of God into a lie. And into what? A lie. They exchanged the word of God for a lie. And they worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. But they claim to believe him. They claim to worship him. They claim to serve him. And the whole time, they deny that they know him. It said there, as we read in Exodus, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless. It takes his name in vain. He said, in vain do men worship me, teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. Not the commandments of God. These are commandments that they've come up. Well, you can't do but certain things on, on the Sabbath day. And you heard me saying, you know this. We don't keep a Sabbath. Christ is our Sabbath. We're not, we're not meeting on the Sabbath. The Sabbath was Saturday. We meet on the Lord's day, the day that our Lord rose from the dead. Our Lord said, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not the things which I say. Holy and reverent is his name. Men take his name lightly, flippantly. Even he'll show us over in chapter 6, verse 9, when he teaches us how to pray. The first thing he says, After this manner pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, Holy be thy name. Holy and reverent. Don't take my name in vain. He won't hold him guiltless. It takes his name in vain. Swearing and taking God's name in in a flippant way. No respect. Men don't respect God. They don't respect his word. They said, I don't care what it says. And then most of them said, don't question my religion. Don't question my religion. The Lord will expose it. This is how he always did. This is what he did. This is his first sermon that he preached. And this is, these are the things he dealt with. 
And we're still having to deal with those things. It says in James, if you want to turn there, James chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. James chapter 2, verse 6. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seat. I think that could reference those who think they are rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing. You know what they do? They draw you before the judgment. They're going to judge you. They think they're judge. They think they know the law. We're going to use the law to whoop you with it. Now watch what he said in verse 7. Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which you are called. If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as a transgressor. And here is that verse we quote so often, verse 10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of it all. You've not only taken his name in vain, you've broken the Sabbath, you're a killer, you're a murderer, and you're a very covetous man. Boy, that describes us. And they take the Lord's name, they blaspheme. What does it mean? What is blasphemous behavior? It is the act of depriving something of its sacred character. They say, I won't believe in a God like that. Have you ever heard that statement? They blaspheme. Paul said, I was what? He said, how did he describe himself? I was before a blasphemer. He admitted it. It means degradation of something worthy of respect. Cheapening. I don't believe I know in my lifetime have I ever seen people so, so, so little respect for anyone's office. Anyone it is. The powers that be are ordained of God. David said, I will not touch God's anointed. If they're in that spot, God put them there. No respect. You know why? They don't respect God. That's why. That the power that be is ordained of God. We know why God put them there. He put them there for a reason. The Lord strictly commands us to reverence his holy name. We're not to swear by heaven or earth because the glory of God is everywhere shining forth. The scribes and the Pharisees, they were trying to make a distinction between what they could say and what we cannot say. What can we say and get by with it? And what can we not say? And we've got to try to be consistent here. They were so, they were so full of a bunch of liars. And they, now, now here's, how, here's how wicked they were. They would take money out of the treasury to pay 
Judas the 30 pieces of silver to portray the innocent blood, betray an innocent man. But when Judas comes back and tries to repent and gives them the money, but oh no, we can't take it. We can't take blood money and put it back into the, to the offering. We're going to go out here and buy the potter's field with it. We can't let him hang on the cross on the Sabbath day. Oh, no, we, it's a high day. We can't, we can't defend, you know, degrade the Sabbath. And he didn't even know who he was. Man has always tried to find ways to curse or to swear without mentioning the name of God. Men imagine there's no evil as long as they don't mention his name. Men try to convince themselves and that's what they're doing, that it's okay, but they deceive their own hearts. We are not to swear out of passion, anger, or habit. I'll show you this. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes 5, verse 1. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God and be more ready to hear. You ever notice why, you ever thought why God gave you two ears and one mouth? We should listen twice as much as we speak. But he says here, when thou goest to the house of God and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifices of fools, for they consider not, they don't even consider that they do evil. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon the earth, let thy, let thy words be few. You know, you see a man, he's, he's laying on his deathbed. Oh, he'll, he'll make every kind of promise, won't he? You know what? I've seen too many of them live. Whatever they promised and whatever they swore that they would do, they quickly forget about it. But there is a form of swearing that is not sinful. There's illustrations. Let me give you a few. There in Romans chapter 1, verse 9, this is Paul speaking. You know, there's a lot of people that didn't believe Paul. There's a lot of people that didn't believe he was an apostle. When he first came to Jerusalem, the disciples were afraid of him. And Barnabas, the son of consolation, the encourager, he said, I can tell you this. I can vouch for this man. I've heard this man preach the truth. But they were afraid of him. Here's what Paul said. In that great book of Romans, Romans 1 verse 9, for God is my witness. Who's going to witness for him? He said, God's my witness. He's not saying this sinful. God was his witness. God did know. And I thought about, you know, where Peter, the Lord said, Peter, do you love me? You know what he said? Lord, you know all things. You know what? You're my witness. You know whether I do or not. I've done said that I loved you. Look what I did. But you're my witness. 
For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, without that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. And God was his witness that he did. He's not saying this in arrogance. He wanted them to know. You know what? He loved them. I hope to come unto you is what he said. And then turn over to 2 Corinthians 1. Verse 23, 2 Corinthians one twenty-three. moreover, moreover, I call God for a record upon my soul, that to spare you I came not as yet unto Corinth. He said, I call God to record upon my soul. And then in Galatians 1, verse 20, he said, Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God, I lie not. Isn't it kind of ironic? I didn't see it till right then. When he was writing the book of Romans, he says at the first of the book, God is my witness. And when he's writing to the church of Galatia, he says in verse 20, before God, I lie not. And you know what? He's the only one that does. You know, you think how solemn that is, that you call God as a witness, that he testifies that he didn't lie. We know all men are liars. We know that. And here's what Elijah said. I'll just give you this one, 1 Kings 17, 1. And remember Elijah, the Tishbite, 1 Kings 17, 1. Elijah, the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, he said unto Ahab, you know what he said to him? Can you imagine Ahab? Who's this character? Who does he think he is? Well, I'll tell you exactly who he is. He's God's servant. He's God's messenger. And if God sent him to carry a message, you can guarantee it's the truth. But he says, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. He said, as God is my witness, it ain't going to rain. And it didn't. You know how they knew if a man was a true prophet or not? If what he said came to pass. How do we know he was a prophet? It didn't rain. You know why? He said, as the Lord God of Israel liveth. I'm just here to tell you what he said. Numbers 30, verse 2. If a man vow a vow unto the Lord, or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. It says it's better to make a vow and to not pay it. I mean, to make a vow and pay it than to make a vow and not keep it. You know why? God doesn't take it lightly. Now, I don't understand this. There's a lot of things I don't, a lot of things, especially in the book of Judges. Remember where the man, he was going to go fight the enemy of God. And he said, Lord, Lord, if you help me, if you deliver those people into my hands, the first one that comes out of that tent, 
I will offer as a sacrifice and you. And that's what he swear. He goes and the Lord delivered the armies, the enemies into his hand. And when he comes back, you know, the first thing comes out of that tent. His only daughter. Now you imagine that. That man knew he had made a vow. And I can't explain it. There's a lot of different interpretations. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. But he made the vow. And he said, I can't go back on it. His only daughter. He, you know what? He took what he said seriously. And God delivered him. God has delivered us. God has delivered us. And the sacrifice God accepts is his son. Job. Oh, Job. Job 1 verse 20 and said, And Job rose and ran his man on, shaved his head, and he fell down to the ground. And he worshipped. He worshipped. And he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave. The Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. You want to see if how it would have been if God if he had taken God's name in vain. It ain't fair that God took my kids. And then what men say? You not heard that? Not Job. He knew his redeemer liveth. Then in chapter two, verse nine. You know what Job's wife said? Then said his wife unto him, Do you still retain thine integrity? Why don't you curse God and die? Just say it's not fair. Look how you've lived. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at God's hand and not receive evil? Now, I want you to see this. This is the point. In all this did not Job sin with his lips. He didn't curse God. He worshiped God. But you see, she would have took his, she did say, just take his name in vain. Just curse God and die. Be over with it. Not a believer. Let me show you one more right quick. Turn to Hebrews chapter 6. Imagine when God promises. When God puts himself under his own oath. Hebrews 6 verse 13. For when God made promise to Abraham... And he did. Because he could swear by no greater. There's no greater than God. He swore by himself. And here's what God said. Saying, surely blessing I will bless thee. And multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater. And an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. That's why they swear. 
there's some type of debate or something, but that's the end of all strife. Wherein God willing more abundantly, won't you see this, to show unto the heirs of promise, who's that? That's us. That's the believers. The immutability, the unchangeableness of his character, he confirmed it with an oath that by two immutable things, unchangeable, by two immutable things, his promise and his oath, in which it was impos- it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. How do we know that God will keep his promises? Because all the promises in him or in Christ are yea and amen. He said, Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And he could swear by no greater. God didn't have to swear. But he remembers us that we're just dust. You know what? If he didn't bless Abraham, his name means nothing. If he didn't save his people, his name be cast into dirt. That's right. He keeps his promises. His immutable. He said, I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. We have a blessed hope. That's what he goes on to say, that we may lay hold upon the hope that is set before us which hope we have as an anchor of their soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil, where the forerunner for us is even entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, because he could swear by no greater. He swore by himself. You think about that, Abraham, you're about 100 years old now. Sarah, your wife, she's 90. God said, you're going to have a son. Well, how can that be? I tell you how it can be. God promised it. He, he come to Abraham and Sarah's in the tent, and I can see her maybe fixing, washing dishes or doing something, maybe fixing something to eat. And he said, this time next year, this time next year, you're going to have a son. And Sarah's in her chair. <laughs> yeah, really? You know what God said? Why did she laugh? What was funny about that? With the human nature, we'd think, well, that's impossible. But it's not with God. Because his name is at stake. And you know what? Sarah conceives. You know how? It says by faith. Faith in what? What does our faith rest in? Our faith rests in the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we believe God. And by God's grace, we don't want to take his name in vain. Said He, he said something and he can't come through. I can tell you this. He promised to come back and he's coming. Everybody's in his hands. He's coming. And what that is, that's consolation. Most people talk about swearing and you feel, boy, boy, I've done it before. Boy, I've come out with some oaths, wish I'd have never said. 
Really? I mean, yeah. But you know what? I'm thankful it's by grace through faith and it not of yourself. It is the gift of God. And the only reason we're received, it's in his darling son. You know why the gift is received? Because of the altar. Because of the temple. Because it's his throne. See, they were trying to separate what's his and what's not. And it's all his. It's all his. I hope that's a help. I think next week we'll look at reconciliation or... um, an eye for an eye, an 